Hello and welcome to Radio Edgy Talk. This is David Noble uh, up in the lovely Isle of Barra again. And uh, I'd like to uh, welcome back to the show Jonathan, who was previously on uh, one of our uh, Edgy Talk broadcasts looking at STEM uh, a while back. And uh, we're going to be looking over the next 15 minutes or so at a really interesting app uh, to support family learning that he has been developing over the last couple of years. So, uh, just to start off with, Jonathan, could you remind us a little bit about yourself and uh, your history in education and your present roles? Absolutely, yeah, David. Thanks for that, and thanks for having me back on again. Um, yeah, so I've been in education for over a, a decade now. I worked in the in schools in Angus Council for for the vast majority of that time, and during that time, I had experience in in big schools and wee schools and rural schools and. I suppose it's about as urban as you can get in Angus. Um, and uh, at that time, I had various posts. I was a principal teacher, deputy teacher. I had a wee stint as an acting head teacher. And, uh, just before I started my current job at the University of Dundee, I was a development officer for Angus Council within the RAISE programme, so looking at science and STEM uh, nationally and across Angus, which was really exciting. Um, and, and it was about that, like you say, that I was um, I was on the programme before with Richard Holm. But now I'm at the University of Dundee, which I'm thoroughly enjoying, uh, lecturing in the, um, primary education. Just uh, before we go into talking about the app, you know, what particular aspects of family learning are you, are you most interested in? Do you know what, for me, it's, you, you start looking at all the research, the Grown Up in Scotland report, for example, and it starts talking about, you know, what, what are some of the things that really that we know to make a difference? And uh, things like, you know, the education level of um, of the parents or the income level, even whether or not there's, um, the, the couples are, are married or together, they don't have as much impact as the research calls it the quality of the home learning environment. But what it really means is what mums and dads do or don't do on a daily basis. And it's that power that we can have as as educators, but also just as parents to, to enrich and make a difference. You know, I remember hearing, hearing a story about a young girl who was involved in a PEEP programme and, and people do uh, different family learning across, across the UK, actually. And um, she, she'd done a little bit of learning with them about early communication, early childhood communication. And, uh, and she drew a wee, a, a wee kind of piece on it. And it started off and she said, you know, every morning I would come downstairs. She was a single mum. Every morning I'd be, I'd be woken up by my child crying. And I would wake up and I would think, brilliant, I'm already a failure. You know, and you can think about that, that, that single mum, that experience and what it was like for her. She went on this wee course with, with people. She learned about early communication. And the next part of her blog read, um, I now understand that when my son's crying, he's saying to me, morning, mum, <laughs> I've missed you and I'm ready for my breakfast. And I get up and I give him a kiss and a cuddle and we make something to eat. And I, you know, and I think about that and I think the difference, that little bit of learning made for that wee family, you know, for how that mum feels about herself, for, for the relationship that she's grown with her and her son and, and the, the power in terms of changing the trajectory that, that we family was maybe on just by getting that little bit of information. You know, for me, that's that's why I got into, uh, into the job, you know, to, to see changes like that. And particularly in, with the app, Jonathan, where did the particular idea come from to, to harness technology? And uh, can you say a bit more about the the what you regard as, as the need for this app? Absolutely, yeah. So I suppose like I was saying, we know we all know about this early attainment gap, you know, by 
three years old, there can be this gap that's already present between the most and least, least disadvantaged, and that over time actually this gap broadens rather than narrows. So I started looking at what is you know what does the research say about this, and it led me into a field um, called behavioural economics. It's also kind of known colloquially as, as nudge theory, and essentially it's about how we approach problems. And I read about one report, there's two psychologists in the, in the United States and they were tasked for their state to bring the average fat consumption, the fat consumption rather, for the average citizen to within the recommended daily allowance, right? Now, if you think about that, that's really complex because you've got people's attitudes to food, their understanding of food, you've got the habits of how they eat and what's cultural and just all this, all this stuff. Plus, it's a really, really busy um, area in terms of information. So, is are carbohydrates good? Are they bad? Should you eat them after eight o'clock? You know, do we eat fat? Do we not eat fat? So, anytime you put information out there, it just becomes more crowded, and all that sort of overload of information produces paralysis. So, whether or not you put out a healthy plate or a food pyramid, actually, people find it hard to engage because there's so much stuff out there. So, people disengage. And so, they were trying to think through this thing. Well, how do we actually go about making a difference? And then they realised actually. For the average citizen, if they were to switch from full-fat milk to low-fat milk, that one purchasing decision would bring their fat consumption to within the recommended daily allowance. So instead of having to engage in this whole sort of messy, complicated, kind of systemic issue, they could actually shrink the change or, or change, change it to one purchasing choice. Don't do that, do this. And I don't know if you remember the Got Milk campaigns with the celebrities with the milk moustaches on. But I'd say that's, that's where that came from. And it got me thinking, okay, we have a similar context here for, for family learning, right? For, for trying to make a difference in something that's as equally complicated and difficult. And there's lots of information out there, but it produces paralysis. So how could we leverage technology just to put in that, that, that one instruction. So in the same way of just saying, don't buy full fat milk, buy, buy this milk, what would the equivalent be? And it got me thinking, what would it be like if we could just say to families every day something like, today, speak to your child about the colours that you see, right? And then all of a sudden, the children and the parents are like, all right, we'll just start doing this when we're walking the bus or when we're walking to the school, you know, rather than just being on our phone or, or you know, falling out because we're, because we've got, you know, you know, kids can be niggly in the morning or anything. They've got this, they've got this strategy to use. And then what? The next day they get an, another instruction. And so that got me thinking, well, how do, how do you go actually about constructing that? So I met with a, this local games company in Dundee called Hyperluminal, who've been absolutely fantastic. And um, we started, sort of, I suppose, brainstorming some ideas. And then I ended up writing, writing the curriculum for the app. So the, the curriculum's from two to six and a half. It's broken down into 10 six-month brackets. And how it works is the, the child, the, the family download the app. They put in the child's date of birth and it locates them within the curriculum. And it starts giving them these daily tasks. You know, however, as educators, we know that, that children don't de- develop chronologically appropriate across all these different domains. So as they start using the app, the app actually tailors the curriculum to suit the child. So the child gets this individual learning journey that's totally appropriate to them. So across the different, the 15 different organisers within the curriculum, the app moves the kids kind of forwards and backwards chronologically, if you will. So they're always getting this really useful next step. So for the parents, we avoid that overload. You know, there's so much information out there about parenting, but rather what they get is just one fun, actionable activity to do every day. 
so for me, it was it was taking that idea of behavioural economics or nudge theory, leveraging the, the sort of technology we've got, especially in Dundee with all these game companies, and then putting it to use in this sort of educational context with this early attainment gap in family learning. So can you give us uh, some actual examples then of, of the activities or the, the, the challenges that, that you've written to, to nudge uh, family learning yeah. in the right direction? Yeah, well, I suppose the first thing I say is, you know, this isn't built around CFE exclusively. What I did was I looked at uh, kind of three or four different national curriculums and then research around curricular areas and then developmental milestones and then use those to sort of pull together a benchmark of, you know, by around this kind of age, you'd want to be engaging with this kind of learning. So I pulled it together that way. And then from that, I was thinking about ensuring that all the activities as far as possible were either play-based or encourage positive adult-child interactions. Because there's a lot of family learning stuff out there that's digital. But actually, what it encourages, I think, is the adult and the child sitting together on a device, which is really just kind of parallel play in my mind. You know, that they're still interacting with a screen, rather than interacting with each other. So the tasks that I've written, you're on your, your phone or your tablet for maybe three minutes as you log into the app, watch the wee uh, characters and read your task for the day, and then you're putting the device away and you're interacting with your child. So it might be things like, um, I don't know if you know the game My Granny's Cat. So you would say things like, well, My Granny's Cat is an amazing cat. And you go through the alphabet, well, My Granny's Cat is a brilliant cat. So there's little word games like that. Again, getting familiar with, with the sounds of the uh, uh, with the alphabet or there's lots of sorting games for young children. So maybe as you're taking the laundry down, can you sort the clothes into yours and mine or to mums and dads and yours? So it's looking at these sort of daily activities that parents can engage and enjoy and do easily with their, with their children, but it's not overload. I'm also paying a lot of mind to what resources everyone would have in their house. So choosing activities that are going to be accessible for, for hopefully everyone who's using the app. I'm not sure if that answers your question there, David, or if I went a bit off track. No, it certainly, certainly does, Jonathan. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, for myself as a, as a father of four children that have you know, gone through primary and now secondary school in, in my own particular local authority, um, you know, they, they got rid of what would have been traditionally seen as, as, uh, as homework uh, in primary schools uh, some years ago now and brought in home learning challenges and that yeah. sounds not not similar but but I can I can see where this is kind of mm. coming from so uh, uh, is this building on good practice that you've come across before or are you coming at it from a, a different angle it's it's similar I suppose one of the things that struck me was a bit of reading I did by a guy called Simon Sinek, I think he pronounced his name, and he was talking about the difference between frequency and intensity, okay? And oftentimes, as I reflected on this, I think, I thought, I think education tends to go in the intensity model. So come for a workshop, come for a training event, come for a conference, right? It's a big block of time. But what the, this guy, Simon Sinek, was saying was sometimes we want to look at the, the frequency model over the intensity. So let me give you an example. If you were to go to the gym and do six hours of exercise on a Friday and then six hours on a Saturday, on Sunday, you would be no fitter, right? It would have no impact on your physical fitness, 12 hours of exercise. But if you were to do 30 minutes of exercise four times a week for six weeks, that would definitely have an impact on your physical fitness. It's the same amount of time, but one's intensity and one's frequency. Or if you think about brushing your teeth, if you were to save up all the little sort of two or three minutes of 
teeth brushing episodes and only do it on a Saturday, your your teeth would be minging. <laughs> They'd be falling out. And your, your, your bread would be honking, right? But if you just do those little little episodes of teeth brushing frequently, it makes a difference. And the other thing you get with frequency over the ten- intensity is in the intensity model, if you miss one episode, you've missed a lot, right? But in the frequency model, if you think about brushing your teeth, you can actually skip one episode, or maybe even two. That's not the end of the world. So it's like those little episodes in and of themselves almost carry no value in that sense. Yet when you link them up, they actually create something quite incredible. So for our, our parents or our carers who are hopefully going to benefit from, from using this, Every day, you're avoiding overload. That's another important feature of behavioural economics is you avoid uh, avoid overwhelm. So, for example, there's so much information out there, I don't know what to do, or overload, the task is too big. It's just a really easy thing you can do, but yet over time, that compounds. So if you think about it for the parent, a parent uses that for, for a month even. Well, that's 30 new strategies they've got. 30 new ways of doing and being with their child that they've, they've accumulated. Now, they're not going to remember them all. They're not all going to be ones they'd want to repeat. But you're broadening that, that parenting capacity over time in a way that avoids overload and overwhelm. So for me, it was that idea, I suppose, of frequency and intensity that really resonated. Now, I know that uh, many of our listeners are aware of the kind of Scottish policy context and uh, mm. you know, with something uh, as, as fascinating as this, it's, it's more about the actual interactions at the family level, but I know that you mm. do talk about how this is this can contribute to the national agenda and national improvement yeah. framework, so in terms of raising attainment, um, improving outcomes, mm. achieving equity and, and such like, mm. so um, this kind of brings me to, to my next question about how do you kind of monitor progress and how do the families monitor progress and what kind of interface is there, if any, with their local school? Yeah, that's a great question. So I suppose in terms of policy, you know, this has all been built around the attainment challenge and the national improvement framework, you know, but there's clear links there to GERFEC, the national parenting strategy, the national play strategy, you know, tying in all those sort of major policy agendas. In terms of progress, the, the app for the school actually comes with a school site as well. So there's a website that the schools use, and that's like a desktop interface. So what happens is as the parents are interacting with the app, that information is pushed back to the schools in real time. So that, that's another part of this, is sometimes it's difficult to test um, improvement initiatives in schools because you're like, well, what's the data? Where is the data? How quickly can we gather the data? to tell whether or not this is working. But every time the, the, the parents or the carer use the app, it pushes that to the school. Now, what the school can do is you can look at that as a single child. They can go in that thing and they can say, okay, so within the three curricular areas, there's five organisers for each curricular area. So you've got 15 discrete topics there, if you like, that the school sees. And the first thing they see is those are all just traffic-lighted for the school. So they can look at this particular child and say, right, is there areas that that particular family are finding hard that we could support with. But say you're wanting to do an intervention, saying for your, your preschool nursery parents, and you think, well, what is going to be something that they'll be interested in? What you can also do in the school site is you can look at a whole group overview. So again, you would see those 15 uh, categories, but, but they'd be colour-coded as an average for all users in that group. So what you could do is you could look at that and very quickly see, actually, for all of our parents that are using this app with their children, 
all of them are saying they're not enjoying and they're finding a hard phonological awareness or self-help and independent stuff. So that's what we'll do our family learning about. But equally, you could use that post-event. So say you've just done a big thing in your nursery setting about Numicon or about in your early years, you've introduced a new phonics scheme or something. Again, it's another point where you can check. Now, it's worth saying that the information that's pushed to the school is a parent's perception. So the parent is doing the activity with the child and then the parent's deciding how well I think my child got on. However, it is, it is still another, another data point. I wonder what kind of feedback you've received so far from, from colleagues, uh, from other educators, uh, and indeed yeah. those that have downloaded and, and played about with the app. Well, you know, at the moment, <laughs> it was one of those things. This is my first experience of ever getting like a, a product from just being an idea in my head to, to, to being a physical thing. So it's been a real learning curve for me. We'd hoped to have it, um, myself and the games company, to have it ready um, for the second week of term one of this academic year um, so that schools could kind of get up and ready with it in, in term one. Um, unfortunately, getting it, through, getting it through the Apple App Store <laughs> proved to be uh, more challenging than, than we, than we realised. Um, so in the end, it only launched a week before the Angus uh um, October holidays so schools the schools that are using it in Angus are only just beginning to set it up now so in terms of actual um, impact with with families um, unfortunately it's too early to say that yet in terms of how it's been um, taken up the schools that I've spoken with certainly have been very enthusiastic and interested with it and are either um, using it in terms of have, having uh, purchased it or are using it in a, as a trial as a wee small test to change so that they can gauge impact and other educators I've spoken to see the see the, va- the value of it I think you know it's one of those things uh, I'm, I'm biased because it's my idea but I think it's very neat it's very simple you know there's not lots there's not lots of lots of bits to it. Um, certainly, I've been working with a, an early years, an ex nursery manager actually, who's now a family learning coordinator, and um, you know she's talking about these different ways that she's hoping to use it with with parents, or even suggesting. I was speaking with a social work colleague. You know, thinking about homeschool family support or social workers, it's a fantastic resource that you could give to a family who's not going to attend an event or not going to come into a group with you. But actually, you could still get that information to them. And maybe one of the things I found in my old school is sometimes we don't get the parents, the families that were wanting to engage up the physical pathway into the school. But they'll come up a digital pathway, you know, because they don't feel so exposed or, or, or they feel like there's no stigma there about, about using that digital pathway into the school community. And I think the app is another opportunity for that. It's like me when I go to the garage. I hate taking the car to the garage because I don't know anything about cars and I always feel like a bit of an idiot. And, you know, so I kind of put it off and put it off. And I think parents must feel like that sometimes coming into our schools where they just don't know the, the, the jargon and the lingo and, and they might just feel a bit, a bit silly, a bit, a bit like me going into a garage. But, you know, using the app, going through those daily tasks, you build up that vocabulary, you have a more of an understanding. And my hope is actually, although this is a digital pathway, that that digital connection would lead to a real relational connection. 
Um, Jonathan, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you're, you're full of ideas and you know, really, really inspirational. I think as a, you know, as, as a teacher and as, as someone who's who's thinking of, of new ideas, new ways to engage, and and ultimately, um, you know, to, I, I know it's not necessarily the, the the nicest way to to express ourselves, but in terms of increasing attainment and outcomes, mm. uh, and you know, we are all deep down. However, we whatever language we use, you know, that is what we are. We are all focused yeah. on, no doubt. Um, putting you in the spot a lot bit here, Jonathan, but what other ideas have you got um, that kind of uh, that maybe relate to this in, in terms of where where you might take it? I'm not going to say take it any time soon because clearly, yeah. you know, you're still in the middle well, of, of embedding. I can tell you what I'm hoping to do. Um, so, you know, a lot of this is, um, I suppose the backstory for this was I was looking, I was working with some, you know, other organisations and looking for funding and it, it just wasn't happening. And, and I kind of got to the point where I thought, I need to do this. Like, I believe in this. I've worked with families that I think would have benefited from this. And it was sort of taking a deep breath, organizing to borrow the money, and then going for it. So my, my, my plan is, <laughs> once I've paid off my bills, um, I'll be uh, introducing text-to-speech. So if there's any literacy barriers for parents, they won't need to read the daily instructions. The instructions will be read to them. And then the other thing I hope to do before Christmas is introduce a second language and then it will be adding additional languages. So again, regardless of, of who you are in our school community, you'll be able to engage without, without any barriers um, to this kind of valuable, valuable learning. It'll be another way that we can uh, engage and make connections with those community members. Jonathan, thank you so much for giving up your time to, to join us on EduTalk. I'm sure on behalf of the, the EduTalk community, uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, wish you all the very best with this and we'd like to um, we'd like you to keep in touch to see how things are going and, and of course, hear more about further developments and indeed other projects that you're, in, you're involved in. But just to, just to finish up, how can, how can listeners get in touch with you? Um, well, if they want to see more information, they can just go to thefamilylearningapp.com they can have a look there. If they want to speak to me uh, about it in particular, they can reach me at jonathan uh, at thefamilylearningapp.com. And that's just J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N.